Hello, welcome everyone to the to BizPod, the BizNet podcast. My name is Sam Harris. I'm your host and manager of the BizNet service, and I'm joined today by my very good friend and colleague, Mr. Andrew Southwell. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Andy. Andy <laughs> Um Depends if we're going to be formal or not, really. Not that formal. I don't that's think that's going to happen. Yeah. And Andy, I've known for a long time. I went to university with him. He was my carer at university because I was a mess. Um, but then we. We sort of went our separate ways after uni and then met up for some sort of reunion, I think, that yeah. we were just chatting yeah. and realised, oh, hang on, we're doing very similar work. So, or, sim- or in work in similar area, that area being autism and demand avoidance or PDA, if, depending on where you are and yeah, what your preference is. Yeah, forms of challenging behaviour and those aspects. Yeah. Um, so we thought we would start doing some work together. We've been running some courses jointly uh, recently, and I thought we'd sit down and have a chat for the podcast to find out about what it is that Andy's done or does. But also, we had some questions come up in our most recent course for parents and professionals of young supporting young people with autism and demand avoidance. So we thought it might be a good idea to chat through some of them because we didn't have time to answer them in depthly. So we could send it to people on the course or if you're listening and you've just got an interest in autism and demand avoidance but before we do that if you haven't listened before don't know anything about me um, I've been working with individuals with demand avoidance profile or presentation probably for I guess I'd say eight years or so uh, been studying research in the the approaches uh, which we'll, we'll talk about and uh guess I've been using them in practice for around for that time had lots of experiences out in the community with different individuals supporting them to kind of do the best for themselves find behavior that works for them and more recently been working with parents to help them figure out how to put things in place at home whereas Andy has gone through much more of an educational background and I will let him tell you more about that now yeah so so my it's probably been a similar amount of time really um it kind of once we finished uni and gone our separate ways I went down the kind of education route I supported young people with ADHD with, with different um, profiles as such in mainstream education and then moved across to working in a, a very specialist education setting a residential setting um, which gave me the opportunity to kind of develop everything a little bit more because I could see things from an educational perspective and from a home perspective um, and with that, I was able to complete a master's degree. And with the master's degree, I focused my dissertation on um, the, the kind of the profile of PDA at the time, because it was in 2007, it was still kind of coming to the forefront a little bit. And, and no one really was sure whether it fitted with autism, whether it was own diagnosis. And, and so I looked at that um, in conjunction with autism and with oppositional defiance disorder particularly and then I've used that to be able to kind of work with Sam a little bit across the last few years and um, develop some different courses um, across um, where I've been it's been really positive to work with a lot of young people who do fit this kind of profile in, in both an education home setting and then more recently a lot more in an education setting um, being able to, to, to work on that and I've been fortunate enough to be able to be a head of education at a setting and an assistant head at a setting where mm-hmm. I've been able to influence a few more aspects around how young people are, are supported in an educational setting which I think is one of the big 
mm. obstacles that lots of people come across and lots of parents come across when it comes to us looking at, at the strategies that need to be implemented for someone with a bit more of oppositionality or defiance against the demands. Yeah, I think and we, we were sort of talking about this yesterday on the course, but it's it's important to be honest with people right off the bat. You know, I think a lot of these strategies that will work and support that person better, they're, they're not easy to do. They're, they're hard work a lot of the time. Um, they take a lot of individualising, you know, they're, they're extra work for schools and organisations. Yeah. But they do make such a difference. And if, if they're not put in place, it can go south quite quickly. It goes south very, very quickly. And then you're looking at, at limited timetables. You're looking at people being... Um, having seclusion and, and um, kind of not yeah, being in secure schools, secure schools or, or actually not being able to access it and then not having to look at homeschooling when actually it's just about the systems that we need to implement and having a more person-centred approach rather than, mm. and we talked yesterday about having the person at the centre and expecting schools work in a way that they expect everyone to bend to, to their rules because they're large organisations, especially mainstream schools. But actually with someone with the demand avoidance, we have to be very fluid with, with how we're working with them. And then ultimately we have to allow ourselves as schools and, and things to be able to bend mm. to the individual a little bit. Well, that doesn't mean giving them free reign. There's still very much clear boundaries, but it has to be a lot more of a fluid um, and, and, and I suppose supportive measure with the people around them. And it has to be through teamwork. Mm. No one person can actually achieve all of the, the success on their own. I, don't, I mean, I never understood why behaviour support for autism was fairly standardised anyway like I get that it's good to have a, a sort of framework like the teach framework or something that is a starting block or starting point but if you start saying I don't know visual timetables work for everyone on the spectrum you're starting to lump everyone with the same brush which isn't all paint everyone the same brush it's not you know the idea of a spectrum is that there are different people on there I mean particularly with, with visual thinkers we know now that that's not applicable to everyone on the spectrum anyway um so yeah i never really got on board with that anyway um and then when suddenly when i started hearing about the pda strategies they made a lot of sense and a lot of them i think are quite helpful for just young people in general yeah i think i think there's there's, there's two kind of trains of thought isn't there i think it Yes, we've got to be as very individualised as possible, but if you have a framework that you can then work and mould and individualise, yeah. then it becomes a lot easier for people who cost are working. Cost effective as well. Cost effective, exactly. And, and we're looking, from an education perspective, we're looking in schools where, if you're very lucky, you've got a class of, of 10 pupils in a, in a more specialist, maybe, education setting, but all of those pupils will have a ASD, ASC profile. Mm. If you're looking in a mainstream school, you're looking at having to individualise something for one pupil when maybe you've got a class of between 30 and 40. Yeah, now that's And without the funding to have a full-time one-to-one at LSW, TA, whatever you might want to call them, that becomes a very, very difficult challenge when you're expected to meet certain standards, to meet all of the, the criteria that, that schools are, are judged against and what teacher standards represent. So I guess um, we, we said at the start we'd be answering some questions. Um, and one of the questions that came up yesterday was about getting professionals on board. How do you get them to accept either the diagnosis, the idea, um, make those adjustments that are needed? Um, and obviously, I don't work in education, so you've got some ideas, you know, from the point of view of an education provision that actually has done those things. Um, I guess I work a lot with parents, and my answer to that question would be around 
gathering information that is as objective as possible really because as unfortunately the system will often assume that the parent brings a lot of their own thoughts feelings ideas which of course they do because they're people so that's what people do but the amount of parents that I meet that had an instinct or had an idea of what their young person's diagnosis would be and were right <laughs> I would say if you actually researched it is probably a much higher percentage than people that are wrong um, so for me it's about objective measurements to show that what you're doing and the effect it's having whether it's making it better or worse um, and also when you communicate with the school it's got to be so an annoying for certain parents you know it's got to be such a a difficult situation mm. where they're being questioned, not being believed, that they're going to get escalated, I would. But actually, it's about trying to maintain a, a relationship with the school, I think. Yeah, I think it's very much about fact. It's, it's mm. like you've said, it's that the objectivity of, if I can say that I can create an, an ABC chart, so look at yeah. the antecedents, the, the behaviours and, 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 the, and the consequences or, or, or kind of cause and effect kind of process if I can provide that as evidence to say when they got home so the antecedent being school mm. travel home what the behavior was when we got home and then what happened as a, as a kind of yeah. cause of that then I can that is fact mm. you're not assuming that something's gone wrong at school you're not assuming that anything's gone in that way but you're giving fact and that that they're one of the big big um, and triggers I suppose is the, the travel kind of aspect to and from or the beginning or the end mm. of a, a school day I think for from, from an education perspective, it's about um, working with and, and finding teachers, LSWs, TAs, some member of, of the team that, that wants to be on board with you and can see from your perspective, which is always a hard kind of aspect, but it's about trying to provide them with a little bit of information, recognising the expertise that the, the teachers have. At the end of the day, they are professionals. They've all had to go through a professional qualification following a degree to get to where they are so they have a set of skills that mean that actually they they have worked to put the pupil at the center of mm. what they want to do and they all have a, a passion and a drive to want to better every pupil in their class and sometimes that gets overlooked because we get very blinkered about our child but they have responsibility for sure, x amount of yeah, yeah and, and i know for a parent they've got to say well i don't care about yeah, the other and i get that yeah. i've got no problem with that whatsoever and every parent should fight as much as they can but fight has to be as a collaboration not as an individual yeah. you're going to be better if you've got everyone on board with you and you're going along a route and if you can get some members of the staff team that are, that are working and, and even better members of kind of the senior management team to support the school then actually they can look at different strategies they can look at molding the environment providing different strategies for throughout the day of breakout spaces breakout times changing expectations a little bit allowing for mm. the, the kind of tolerance and demand kind of process to be implemented into to work it's about providing the teachers with a little bit of research to help them to to, to guide them to the self teachers do it all the time with 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 their children they, they give them a little bit of information and let them find the answer for themselves and sometimes Parents have to do that a little bit. You're describing good practice for the parent to use with their young person. Yes. They've got to then use it with the school. A little know, bit. Rather because... than being kind of, you've got to do this, they are this. It's like, look, I think it might be this. I wonder what you think about that. Can you have a look into it? Completely. And it's about 
every school wants to do the best for the, the pupils that they have. No one wants to have to exclude anyone. No one wants to have to have seclusions or, or bits within school where actually young people are not accessing education. But we also have to recognise that sometimes not accessing education is better for a young person, for their emotional well-being, to get them into a better place and a position to be able to learn in the future mm-hmm. rather than focusing on is that art lesson or maths lesson or English lesson at this point in time worth the fight and, and the, the challenge and that and mm-hmm. that push and pull. And that's this is all we've talked about this with the assumption that school is seeing the behaviour. Yes which is still a challenge to get them to understand there are different ways of doing it. But that, I think for some parents, is almost a, an easier fix than the masking idea. Yes. With, you know, masking, for anyone that's not aware, is, 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 the, is the sort of idea that a young person, and I think lots of young people can do it, but it is, it is quite a common theme on the sort of autism spectrum, especially the demand avoidance area, um, that they can bottle behaviours up, you know, keep a lid on it and then expose it when they feel safe or when they get home. Um, and that to build evidence for is very difficult because your school is probably looking at either a model pupil yeah. or someone that's very manageable. Yeah. Um, Often outgoing, kind of centre of attention maybe in some aspects, like always having people around them. We, we do find that, that those with, with the oppositionality do find it hard to continue uh, peer groups and, and peer relationships but um, quite often they might not see that behaviour at school because they've learned to, to mask and, and kind of work towards a, a social expectation for themselves. And so and that's hard for that. the objectivity isn't it because if you're saying that I, I've measured it for two weeks and every time I literally get in the playground they have a meltdown. Yeah. For us, there are still schools out there and lots of people out there that will say well that's because they know something about what's going to happen at home maybe there yeah. are boundaries at home blah 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 that doesn't make sense no. at all <laughs> um, because you know if what you would probably see is the triggers at home or the difficulties at home would happen when they are at home and and the triggers are they're present but yeah, the fact that they're just the only trigger is the presentation of their parent if you understand sort of attachment and emotional connectivity between parent and any child, it starts to make more sense because yeah. it's just like, well, that's my emotional centre point. That's my safety point. <sighs> Here's all the stuff that I've dealt with today. <laughs> yeah, and I think it is. It's that that bubbling, simmering mm. pot of, of I've dealt with all this, I've dealt with all this, and now I just need to spill over for a little bit. And it's it's working out how to, to manage that on a, on a daily basis and helping and supporting the young people too develop that on a daily basis okay we've done i just noticed we've done 14 minutes and we've answered one question vaguely so we'll let's be a bit more militant in order to get professionals involved you have to be able to work with the school and and drip feed some things in about what you're feeling it you're finding and 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 be very objective and be a very fact-driven i think then trying to utilize the education health and care plan system as best as possible or the my plan plus kind of system to get as many other professionals involved to see and to assess where your young person is at, depending on their age, depending on their, their the, the layers of complexity, and depending on the stage of education that you're at will then depend on what you need to do. But I think looking at then the targets that come from an EHCP or an education health and care plan being set as long-term and then staff working on small steps to get to that is a lot better system than, than trying to think about having a, a target you're working on for 
a year and then changing it because too many times a, a teacher will change every year or you, you'll have different professionals coming in and out because we know that world there's a lot of change and a lot of um, movement within staffing and so ultimately if you've got a system where you can say this is what we're working towards over the next three or four years and these are the steps that we're taking and those steps don't have to be preordained they can be a kind of working document and actually we can try and do one step and then actually then we, we work out what the next step is once we've worked out the progress into that first step and maybe we can see that question on Andy drop yeah. feed <laughs> so as a succinct answer yeah gather objective yeah specific information yeah and work as hard as you can to work with the school yeah with the school recognize this has got to be a sentence with the school there we go mm. with with what was the other question <laughs> so we had one of them which i think is quite pertinent how do we keep sane how do we keep sane okay we need to be quick on this yeah um there is i'm gonna give one my one minute i pass to you so you can keep it to a minute okay i don't think either of us will no we've probably already gone gone over a minute right Just now re- um preparing for a minute there's no specific way of supporting yourself i think you've got to look at what's out there mindfulness cbt counseling making connections with other people going through the similar things tools breathing activities that you feel good in that give you perma if you've been on the course you know you know what perma is already we probably don't have time to go into it but the the key thing for any parent i think is prioritizing that because if you don't look after yourself it's going to be a lot harder and you to find the right way of supporting your young person bang I have a minute I think I can get away away with going less it's because I kind of agree with all of those bits isn't it it's kind of yeah a massive (laughs) cop out but you have to we talk about in in the course that we do that the the analogy of the aeroplane you've got to put your own mask on first because you've not got oxygen then you can't support everyone else to have oxygen and so therefore it's that analogy and, and it's very very difficult because all of the parents will always put their young person first mm. and, and I completely understand that and everyone else would but you have to find the times to support yourself because mm. if you're not comfortable and happy and, and regulated then you're not going to keep all of your emotions together in order to reg- help regulate and support the young person we're talking about um, which leads on nicely to the question that was how do you get a young person with demand avoidance to do something they don't want to do um, and that the reason it leads on to that is because all the strategies that are there, which can be really effective if you get them right, if you deliver them in the best way for the young person, are not easy to maintain. Yeah, Being more conscious of how you're interacting, using less demanding language, which is, a, I think, just a standardised ch- adult-child interaction, unfortunately. Yeah. Is to be quite demanding, especially you know with certain messages that come through over the years about boundaries and firm boundaries, and um, you know I'm all for having boundaries that you don't move, non-negotiables, but it's, it doesn't need to be delivered in a firm or confrontational way, which I think people mix up. Um, but yeah, so we can't, you know, if you want want to find out how to get a person with demand avoidance to do something they don't want to do. Come on the course, um, <laughs> our tickets. But also, we do pull a lot of strategies from the PDA Society. You know, we we've thrown in tweaks and examples of our own in practice. But there's not many of them that we've invented out of thin air. Yeah. Um, and 
even if you go on the PDA website, look at all the strategies, you'll read them, connect with them, know what they are, but the I think the the devil's in the detail. The it's practice. the application, the, yeah. the absolute. It's it's the absolute aspect of it because we know when we try to do it as part of the course when when we're trying to use certain certain words or not use certain words mm. you have to think before you speak and on a daily basis you're in the daily grind of doing your job mm. having to get to you've got the daily process of we need to get up we need to do this we need to get to there. This laughing is anyone that's been in the course will realise that for. Probably both of us, especially me, thinking before you speak is yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive issue. Eh? But it's you're a, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really hard thing. Yeah, to and do. it's a really hard thing to do, especially when you have the time constraints of life. Mm. You have to be at work by a certain time, otherwise you're going to get in trouble. Which means you've got to drop the kids off at school mm. before you do that. And, and the pressure and the investment of a parent as well. Yeah, exactly. So much harder. You know, Certainly. So, so it makes it very difficult and you have to, I think that the biggest things are about thinking about the use of your language. Mm. Um, that, that's the, the biggest aspect that you have to change about yep. how you work. Um, and, and, and that's one of the biggest strategies that we have to think about. Definitely. We have to be really aware and conscious of what it is we do and the, the effect that it has so mm. that then we're in control of it and we can change it and not judge ourselves for the times where we are probably part of the trigger. Yeah. Because if life was different, we wouldn't be anything to do with the trigger, but you've got a situation where life is very demanding in general. You get shoot the messenger syndrome where you're just giving the demands of life. Didn't invent tooth decay, but you know, I'm telling you to brush your teeth. Um, and alongside all of that, you've got a young person who hasn't got the standard tolerance to people making demands. So it's not that you're a really demanding person some of the time, it's just that you have to move the complete other side of that sort of yeah. approach so that's no definite answers because obviously we can't give you all the answers because you don't need to come on the course at all but you know the strategies are out there you can google them you can find them pretty yeah. easily yeah. but it, it, one of the reasons you should come on the course is yeah. be led into practice well, and also it's about them, a lot of it is about looking at yourself it's not necessarily things that you can say oh we're going to put a beanbag in a room and that'll help like with certain aspects of sensory kind of processing yeah. whereas with a lot of the oppositionality it's more about the environment around the person and especially around the people interacting with them mm. in order to support having a, a higher tolerance for those demands well one of the if we give one of the titles one of the titles for on from the PDA society the panda sort of framework they use that we've we will you know we've been aware of for a number of years disguising demands yeah. that in itself is something you can read and understand, but actually doing it is the the, the skill, isn't yeah. it? That's the bit it takes yeah. time. Um, okay, uh, just a little sort of plug in the middle. Me and Andy will be doing more of these two day courses soon. Yeah. If you're in the Exeter or Devon area, we might even be extending out into Gloucester and Somerset in the near future, depending on how it goes. Um, www.cedaonline. That's C E D online.org.uk and click on the biznet section to find out more about courses um, and we will then switch on to one of the other questions we've got to rattle through them now can you remember some of them Andy you've got better memory than me uh, what else did we have I, didn't write, I wrote them down but then I left a bit of paper somewhere no it's not I don't think it's one of them is it no, Andy's so. just uh, desperately looking through some feedback forms um, um, I think it's 
Oh, um, there was one that was a bit of a doozy, which was, what do you do when you've tried all the PDA strategies oh. already? Yeah, I mean... Do you want to take that one first? Yeah, I'll give you 30 seconds. Yeah, probably don't even need that. Um, I think when you've tried all, all of the PDA strategies, you have to think to yourself, well, have I tried all of them? Yeah. And have I gone into the toolbox and, and retried? I think we talk a lot about having a toolbox of things that you can constantly bring out just because something doesn't work the first time doesn't mean it won't work again just because it's worked for two weeks in a row doesn't mean it's going to work for that third week but it then doesn't mean you throw it away don't Maybe rip any strategies yeah don't don't rip any of the strategies up don't throw yeah. them away don't ever discount any keep using them keep utilizing and sometimes learn that why are you trying to put a strategy in place in the first place what do you need to be having that um, conversation and, and putting that demand on is it one of your non-negotiables as such that you'd be able to sort out and it does it need to be pushed mm. what where are you trying to get to what's the bigger picture right now yeah yeah um, if you've got a toolbox and you've got a screwdriver and it doesn't work for a particular job you put it back in the toolbox for later you don't yeah. chuck it in the bin which sometimes happens with behaviors support because it that novelty works really well for demand avoidance, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I guess my answer to that would be to agree with everything Andy said, keep looking at what you're doing, it probably can be tweaked. But also for me, my sort of big focus at the moment is trying to figure out ways to support young people, particularly young people on the spectrum, with emotional regulation development. Mm -hmm. So they are developing um, awareness of what their feelings mean, what they feel like, what they can call them. We know that like naming and expressing emotion is helpful for most people, so that's something that's difficult for people on the spectrum. Then um, trying to encourage and motivate and prioritise the fact that they work on them and use appropriate self-regulation that doesn't place themselves or others at risk. And when we say appropriate, maybe allowing for things that are socially inappropriate. I'm doing that thing with the fingers that means I don't believe it. Um, rather than dangerous. So if someone says F off and walks away, that's an improvement on someone, you know, hurting themselves or other people or property. Um, but the caveat for that is with PDA or demand avoidance, it's a very specific approach you've got to be done side, side by side normalizing rather than you need to work on your emotions and what are you feeling and tell me about your feelings you know it needs to be done with an autism hat on yeah um, almost in the same way that i guess in education you would teach someone with demand avoidance maths you know yeah very sort of let them lead it yeah um I, i'm doing some work with a, a pda chap at the moment or demand avoidance chap at the moment and he I set up like three or four activities in my office, went to make him a drink, and I come back in, and he's done two of them. He'd, weirdly, he'd worked out exactly what I wanted him to do, yeah. which was interesting. He did a lot of social sort of theory of mind there, which is great. Um, but he didn't, then he didn't want to do them anymore. So now I've got a frame that I can use, and next week he, when he comes in, I'm just going to have another five activities set up um, that are a bit more detailed and explained maybe because he, he can read and write so i can write it down the instructions but i didn't know he was going to do it so. yeah it's funny i had like a i'd done i've drawn a picture of the brain and i'd drawn a circle around the middle and written bottom brain and then top brain and then i would written a list of different things like feelings decisions stuff like that and i was going to get him 
to number it one and two, whether it was top or bottom brain, because yeah. I'm talking to him about flipping his lid and all that kind of stuff. And I come in and he'd just done it. I didn't tell him. <laughs> just looked at it, worked it out. He's yeah. so switched on. But yeah. I think if, if we'd have got in there, he would want if he wants usually wants to play Uno. Yeah, uh, but then again, if you said we're going to do this, it might not have happened. It probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Whereas allowing him to take control, even though it is a process that he knows he's mm. expected to do, because no one's told him he's expected to do it, mm. he's able to take control for himself at that process and then say, actually, I'll take control before I'm asked to do it. I'm going to do it because then I've done it on my terms rather yeah. than on anyone else's. Therefore, it can happen. Um, what was the other questions? Uh, was there something about not siblings? Was it? No, we did have a question yesterday about siblings and obviously oh, through a course. Yeah, very um, specific. So that will be a very specific kind of process that we'll have to look at. Oh, so I've, um, I've not worked enough. I've put things in place for certain families, but I'd, yeah. I'd want to have done it and seen success before I start. Yeah, and I think that's, it, I think that's one of the things you have to recognise that that. The, the, the notion of demand avoidance being part of the autistic spectrum is still very, very young. Mm. Um, and so we haven't got many longitudinal studies to, to look at and to what's say actually worked. what's, what's yeah. worked as a long term, what's been a success story for someone who maybe gets a diagnosis as a young person yeah. and actually is, is successful in whatever terms that might be for them. In, in later life and what effect has that had on on their their, their kind of circle of friends or all their their family and, and how has that affected one it's just the research isn't out there yet so to do any work like that is would, would probably not be as ethical as it might be because we'd be kind of flying blind a little bit really yeah yeah although you know i i think i mean part of my work sometimes is because obviously i i know that i can't understand every situation so I have to hear the situation as much as I can and think, well, this might fit for them here. But obviously never suggesting something that I think is going to be such a trigger, it'll be dangerous. Um, And encouraging parents to sort of be very week by week with their measurements so that if they've tried something, I can say to them, okay, well, how's that going? What's the effect? How did you do it? You know, uh, it's just changing small variants. We're yeah. doing that then, so you can actually gauge yeah. which bit is working, which bit is. As a, as a tip, though, if someone is listening and thinking, "Well, that doesn't give me any answer. What do I do?" I did have one parent the other day who'd come up with a good idea for door locking, because obviously, with the best will in the world, if you have uh, a sibling who is under phys- physical threat, which can often be yep. the case there's a safety element there Um, and and it's very important for a young person to feel safe in their home but you sometimes you can't give depending on their age them a lockable room that you can't get into Um, and she said that you can get these sort of about 30 quid online you can get the keypads okay yeah yeah. so i mean we've got them at our work just because you know it's it's a way of monitoring where people can go and that kind of thing um but yeah, you could, you could get it for that. So you know the code, that young person knows the code. And yeah. if they're, they're having a safe space, they can go where they're not under threat. Yeah. Gives you a lot of tools then that you can focus on the... the and a peace of mind and a reassurance to, to say to them that when they're feeling stressed or, or, go there. or under threat, that they can go there. And so it works quite well. I wish we've missed loads of questions. I think, I think there's two, I think, that we've missed. Um, I remember getting professionals on board was one that was like, oof, that's a piece of work. Um, staying safe. Oh, uh, negative thinking was another one. Yeah. So really quickly, I just feel like 
there's a bit of a misnomer that there is one therapeutic approach for everyone and every person from that therapeutic approach does often carry that message but you know all the government services think about systemic therapy so just but you can't always access them so for example cams use lots of different models and i think that is the way forward but then if you go private you'll probably hire a counselor who will yeah. use a counseling model which yeah. isn't that applicable for someone with autism cbt can be really effective but only for some and actually the evidence suggests that when you stop going to the sessions you see a drop off again because it's like physical health uh, on the flip side of that you've got some very intelligent keen to learn people on the spectrum so they could perhaps take ownership of their own cbt maybe um, i use a narrative therapy model sometimes or, or elements of it um, but you, yeah, I think it's about again putting the person in the centre. Yeah, trying different things and saying, "What do you think works for you?" Yeah, and I think it's about knowing them and knowing what their emotional literacy is, what their understanding of, yes. of those aspects are, and, and working at it from their perspective. Because if we're assuming that they understand some of the feelings that they're feeling and they're not just learnt responses to, mm. to, to to what they may have heard and what they may have seen, then that's when we've got to be very careful because there's a difference between what we might understand as a hatred of something or, 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 or a love of something and it's what does that resonate within us and what does that feel like we say what does it feel like but actually what is the physiological response that you are having at the time what does it make your senses do what's mm. the sensory input that you're getting from that feeling because people on the autistic spectrum have an, um, a sensory imbalance yeah or a difference yeah. and and like again if, if they're telling me something from their perspective it's really important i don't say oh no, no, no i think you've got that wrong it's, it's the most important bit of information that we have to take notice of if someone with any of the conditions that we, we've been talking about tells you something about themselves that is the most important bit of yeah. information that we have to take because that's the only thing we're going to know about them we we, we sit here and, and we've, we've all done lots of research and read lots of books but we're not the people who are experiencing, experiencing it. Yeah. it. We have to take on board all of the people that are able to tell us and are able to communicate with us about the actual condition that they're living with every single day. And well, let's give um, let's give PDA by PDA as a plug. Old Sally yeah. Cat, if you're listening, we want to we have a chat with you on the podcast. It would be amazing. Um, it is the best book I've read for a number of years in terms of guiding your thinking around what people demand avoidance go through. Yeah. Um, as an adult and how they see things and they can then reflect on things. Yeah, I think it was a massive really insight really just because again it's coming um, from, from them. The, those people yeah. that, that believe that they have or ha do have a, a, a diagnosis and therefore it's the most important bit of information we might get mm. all of the other research from, from doctors such and I've got a practical example I guess because at the moment I've got a number of families where the child who has demand avoidant profile has gone through physical aggression and they still do use that but what I'm noticing and what I'm hearing is that there is more and more suicidal thinking yeah. or, or expression so I'm, I'm yeah. going to kill myself that kind of thing and it's really important that I don't assume that that is just demand avoidance because no. I feel like when they're maybe expressing it, and maybe for someone with demand avoidance, the anxiety around the demand at that time makes them feel like they can't go on. Yeah. But one thing we also know with autism is that, you know, it, it tends to be quite 
in the moment focused for some people and I'll also get people that will go from saying suicidal things to appearing very happy 10 20 minutes later so but that doesn't devalue the fact that they may have experienced that at the time but the chat one of the chats I'm working with I, I literally noticed that when we're doing an activity sometimes he'll engage with the start of it and then the rest of it will become can't go on living, kill myself, blah, blah. And then he almost withdraws. So it's, like, it's almost like his way of saying, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming that. And in context, objectively, the effect of that behavior is that we stop the session, the activity. Yeah. So he's avoiding that demand. Yeah. Um, but I still, I'm never going to go at it thinking, oh, well, it's, he's not really suicidal. Yeah. We have to take every threat seriously. Like yeah, the first thing work with behavior Believe what people it? say. Yeah. Um, okay, we've we've waffled, um, but that was always going to happen, and that's good always. on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've enjoyed it at all, comments, reviews really help because it lets me know who to get back on the podcast. And if anyone is paying any attention at all or found it helpful, that's great. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. And if again, if you want more information about courses, head to www.cedaonline. C e d a online org.uk and look for the business section andy thanks for coming thanks for staying over and thanks for making your own bed thank you